Welcome to Florida Health Radio, a podcast designed to connect you with the best healthcare providers in the Florida community, hear their stories, how they're helping their communities. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Florida Health Radio. This is Dr. Josh Simons. I'll be your host. We have Dr. Angel Napolitano here on the show, physical therapist, owner of Optimal Physical Therapy and Wellness. Thank you for being on the show. I love talking with you. Thank you for having me. How are you doing tonight? I'm awesome. How's it going with you? I'm pretty good, too. Just, you know, staying busy, staying busy and balanced. (laughs) There you go. Awesome. All right, so for those that don't know a lot about you, just talk about a little about what you do as a physical therapist because you have a very specific niche. Yeah, I do. Um, so I'm a physical therapist, a doctor of physical therapy in uh, Jupiter, Florida. So I specialize in golf uh, rehab and performance. So that's my target audience now. That's not to say I don't treat you know the average Joe with low back pain or a swimmer or or whatnot, but that is my audience. That's the, the niche that I specialize in. That's a sport that I specialize in um, specifically. And yeah, that's basically what my practice revolves around. Um, being in Jupiter, Florida and growing up here my entire life, uh, I've been surrounded by the game of golf. I have five brothers. And so that goes without saying as well. Um, not all of them are into golf actually, but um, a couple and that a couple of them are. And so um, they're my golf buddies. But that's just basically me in a nutshell as far as my specialty and my uniqueness. Um, but, yes, it's, it's definitely something that has been a challenge as a female, I'll have to say, um, initially, um, building that brand identity and that reputation because, uh, again, I'm a female. Um, but it is 2019, so I do have that going for me. And I actually know my shit. Can I cuss on this podcast? whatever you like okay good I like doing whatever I like um (laughs) and well I'm the only girl you gotta remember that um so so yeah and golf is just a passion of mine it became something that I really enjoyed throughout my life and I I went with it when I opened my practice I um decided that I wanted to target that audience and that population and uh just I have, you know, extra certifications and, and courses that I've taken and studies I've done and things of that nature to, you know, add credibility to my already doctorate uh, that I have um, in physical therapy. But, yeah, understanding the sport and the specific demands that come along with it is really key when you're trying to treat a certain population. And so that's me, um, again, in a right. nutshell. So Awesome. And so what... Uh, what led you to actually starting this this business? So that's a loaded question. I'll go with the short version. Um, <laughs> I graduated a PT school in 2016. And I started, my first job out of school was um, treating the population that deals with uh, substance abuse and addiction. And initially rewarding uh, you, you, there's a good concept and a good philosophy behind incorporating physical therapy into the recovery program for these individuals. Now, is it effective? Yes and no. Not enough 
for me to be satisfied with number one, my profession and my skill set was not being brought to the table because I was having to treat so many people at once. Um, so that made me unhappy. And then not seeing the results that I knew I could give people that needed it because I couldn't take that time, that extra time and really care for them and deliver that quality of care. Um, there were success stories, of course, and those were amazing, but not enough for me to stay. Uh, I burnt out. I um, just thought to myself, I better find another way to like this profession or I'm out. So I spent some money on a mentor, a business mentor, who's also a physical therapist, a very successful one. His name is Greg Todd, and he became my mentor and taught me everything I know about business because we don't get that in PT school and med school. Any healthcare um, sort of education does not provide business education with it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really, really um, disappointing. And now that I look back, because when I was in school, I honestly never even thought that I would have my own practice. Sure, maybe one day, like, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was to get through school and to become a physical therapist and to work. Well, you, you realize very soon after that this, this is not all it's, you know, chalked up to be. And a year and a half after um, I graduated and was working for that company, I quit and um, have been working in my business and my practice ever since. And it's just, it's super rewarding what I get to do with my patients and the relationships I get to build with these people that I wouldn't have been able to. Um, working in these other facilities, like even if, you know, substance abuse is one thing, you're not really supposed mm -hmm. to get close to your patients at all for certain reasons, as you can imagine. But even in the insurance accepting clinics, the outpatient clinics, um, you're, it's kind of frowned upon as well. And that I really, really feel is a big roadblock to recovery. I'm spending a lot of time with you in your, you know, whatever your post-surgery, you have an injury, injury prevention, whatever they're coming to you for. And if I can't get to know you on a certain level, that that is a like I said, a, a big roadblock to recovery. Would you agree? No, I, I would, and that's that's one of the big things with today is because of the, a lot of the restrictions that insurance places, and that is, I mean, one of the big reasons why I left and did a out of network practice myself. Yeah. You can you can spend more time with people. You're not dictated by what they feel that you need to do in order to provide better care because ultimately the people that are behind the insurance companies, by and large, most of them have no PT training or even medical training to any no. certain degree at all. And so why the hell should they be the ones that decide how a patient should get better, how many visits they should have, and uh, ultimately just require an enormous amount of hurdles to get people seen. So I absolutely uh, see uh, where you're coming from because I share that same, that, that same frustration for sure. <clears throat> now, I, with, this, with your new business now, um, ultimately you're, you're spending more time with people. You don't have that insurance limitation. How else do you feel like you can better serve people now that you aren't a part of a clinic that is governed by insurance? So I've taken a very holistic approach and by holistic, I don't just mean natural. 
um, yes, natural, but at the same time, the whole person, not just their knee, their back, their hip, whatever, you know, they're coming in for, but literally take a whole look into their well-being and their, and their wellness and their health. I start from the ground up just like golf, right? Um, and I ask them about their nutrition, their supplementation, um, you know, and I offer suggestions as to what I believe, you know, whatever their condition might be or they have going on. Since I do have a medical background as a doctor, you know, um, a lot of what people, their, their ideas of a physical therapist is that we're massage therapists or trainers or whatever. But we actually have an extensive knowledge base that allows us to dig deep way, way deeper than that. We can de- differentially diagnose, um, which means you come to me with bilateral carpal tunnel that could also be a liver disease. You know what I mean? So you have to have that knowledge and that expertise and that skill to identify and even know that might be a problem, right? And that's just an example. Mm -hmm. But I take that whole person and I I look at everything, every little part of their well-being, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, um, intellectual, social. You have to look at all these things and you have to really put them into one like pot and you have to look at all the, the facts, look at all the things they're presenting with, and go, this is what that patient needs on every single spectrum, every single component of their wellness. Because we are, as humans, we are like onions. We have many layers. And so I peel back each well wellness layer one by one, um, starting from day one. So that definitely, um, I, don't, I don't know a lot of physical therapists out there are doing that as well, but I take a lot of pride in it. I write a lot of articles for a um, specific magazine. I'm an expert contributor in my um, in my town, in my community. And, you know, I talk a lot about wellness and, and, and posture. Everything that we you could think of um, really goes into a chronic pain. So I'm not just treating the golfer. There's golfers with chronic pain, right? But I want to take that golfer and, and just peel back every single layer, not just do sports specific training or injury prevention or, or rehab. I want to look, I want to go back to infancy. <laughs> okay. Way back. Way back. Not really, but you get what I'm saying. I like to dive no, I deep. I, I like to dive deep and I like to get to know everything about my patients. I actually just had, I treat a husband and wife, a couple of different ones, but this one specific couple, I'm like their therapist. Um, you know, they confide in me more than they do with their other doctors. They send their urologists and their cardiologists to me. That's, that's huge. When, when, you, when you're able to um, get that type of word of mouth from your patients to, to the community, that outreach is, is just, it's, it speaks volumes, um, I believe as to what I'm providing them with and the experience I'm providing them with. And then to actually take my advice seriously and actually implement it into their lifestyle and to see changes and feel better, um, you know, play better, whatever it is. That right there tells me all I need to know that I'm doing the right thing and I need to continue this. And I, I will never give that up. I'll never not be a mom and pop practice. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that you do the holistic approach. You're right. It's not something that uh, a lot of people do, but again, that's all largely due to the, the confines of what they're able to do with an insurance. 
I am curious okay. because I imagine, you know, people for, for the most part, I think would have a, a reasonable idea on what a conventional physical therapist would do in terms of they would probably give them exercises, work on them hands-on. You talk about addressing the psychological uh, sort of uh, emotional things as well, obviously without going beyond your scope, but what what sorts of things do you, do you take into account and how do you tie that into the, the program or, or interventions that you give to someone? All right, so I'll give you an example. Um, a lot of emotional traumas and, and things that are a burden to somebody that they're holding up for a long time, I am able to identify immediately. Again, I'm not saying I'm a psychologist by any means, but right. I, I find that through their physical um, presentation in a sense. So if I have somebody coming to me and they're balanced, like they just are standing there talking to me and they're kind of swaying like a little bit, nothing like very noticeable, just like a little bit back and forth or in a circle. That tells me the nervous system, there's a, there is something going on in the nervous system that is not right. There's a dysfunction there. So I dig deeper. And this is just one example of what I'm talking about. Um, I'll do a bunch of balance testing, some neurological testing, and then I will ask them a personal question. You know, has there been something, you don't have to tell me specifics, but has there been something in your life that has caused a lot of emotional trauma that maybe you have tried to um, rectify or you have not been successful at it or you think you have, but you haven't? Is there something that you could think of right now that could be of, you know, concern of what I'm talking about? And 90% of the time, the answer is yes. And 90% of the time after that, yes, I get the flood, the, the mm-hmm. tears, the emotional release. Right. And they're like, how did you know that? And I'm like, do you want the short or the long answer? Uh, but I basically tell them, I, I say, this is what I saw from you right away. And at your age and at the things you, you're telling me, a 45-year-old that's fallen all her life, uh, for no reason, healthy 45 year old has these, she's a fall risk, you know, like that's, that's like unheard of. So what is going on? We have to get to the root cause of that. And that's just one way. But so her emotional, you know, traumas come up and that trust comes with it because now she, she associates me with being able to identify that in more than one sense. Um, I now her physical therapist. So she's like, how does my physical therapist know that? So there's a lot of trust that's being built. Um, during that time and that allows her to open up and then I you know I listen I listen to her I listen to her problems or his um, and I don't give feedback unless asked you know or unless I have to intervene on some kind of level professionally Um, and most of the time it's well received very well received and it's they agree or they're they get a different perspective from me and again, that trust just co- continues to build up. And um, that's where I create really healthy, lifelong relationships with my patients. And uh, they're very loyal. They're very loyal mm-hmm. because they see the value and what I'm bringing to them, not just by being their physical therapist, but their friend and their confidant in a medical sense. Um, and where can you get that, honestly? The healthcare model these days you're in and out of a patient's room if you're, you know, a family 
a doctor of family medicine, or even if you're a specialist, you're in and out, you do what you got to do and you get out and you're on to the next person or you're documenting whatever you got to do. And it's just like this day in day out draining process of, you know, um, unhappiness. Right. Not only that, but the patients see it as well. So it's just an endless cycle, unfortunately, but we're making changes as physical therapists. I think our profession is among the, the number one, um, I guess, profession that is trying to change this kind of system and by, right. by going out of network, we're going out of network. You might have to pay a little bit more, but in the long run, it's, it works out better for the patient financially and, and time wise. Right. And that's the two biggest things that is a constant burden in our world is finance as money and time. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't have enough of it. Right. So you know, these things, if you put, if you put it down on paper and you weigh out the pros and cons, we always win. And I don't know why we haven't realized this till recently in the you know past 10 years or whatever it's been, but those are the facts. Definitely. Um, for, did, I, for, did I answer uh, all the questions already? <laughs> no, not at all. For, but I'm just curious because I'm thinking about who's listening to this and for a, a lot of people, when they have something wrong with them, they always go, well, I won't say always, but a lot of people will, will go to their physician first. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not um, trying to down that in any way. But I'd like you to talk about what, what are some things that maybe would behoove someone to seek a, a physical therapist first, um, maybe even especially with what kinds of populations that you treat? So the problem with that is the, the, the primary care doctor will always come above us because that's just the way the umbrella works. Right. Um, and it's not, it's never going to change and that's okay, but let them make that decision because again, I have another, another situation where I was treating this woman, uh, lower back pain and created all that trust and really got her better. She came to me because she she was having a heart attack. She didn't go to urgent care. She didn't go to the ER. She didn't go to her family, uh, family doctor. She came to me and I said, Oh no, it's, it's just the start of frozen shoulder. (laughs) And I gave her relief in that session and that, that pains that were, um, you know, mimicking a heart attack um, or, or something of the sort went mm-hmm. away. And she's like, how did you know that? I'm like, I, I, I'm good at assessing. I don't... <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not always as bad as you think. And if I really thought that, you know, I checked the, the I did a, you know, a whole screening on the vascular system. It, I'm not going to go into that, but just to rule things out and make 100% sure that I'm not, you need to go to the ER right now. You're having a heart attack or you could be, you can't really say, you can't really diagnose that as a physical therapist. Um, but you, you can, you know, suggest that you go there. So I was making sure that that wasn't the case, but the fact that this woman came to me for that is kind of, um, it tells you a lot. It tells you a lot about how you're treating people and where they really find the, um, the real source of knowledge, I guess, and the real trust 
but I guess um, not to skirt around your question for my population, why would they go to me over their primary? Well, first of all, it's a sport related issue. They're going to come to me. If they're having stomach pains, they're not going to come to me. Correct. So if you, if you had stomach pain, would you call me? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> if it's abdominal or not. <laughs> you know, if it's internal. Um, you know, right, right, right. Right. So I tell my patients and I, and I set the expectation from day one that I am the primary decision maker when it comes to all things musculoskeletal or neurological. Mm-hmm. If I need further testing to see, you know, diagnostic imaging or any kind of other thing that I need to refer out, I'll refer out. But most times that can be prevented. I don't need my patients to get an MRI and, and an x-ray. I can tell you right then and there what it is. Have some patients been like, I want to get it just in case? Be my guest. And what does it come back and say? The same shit I said. <laughs> so they're like, I'm, you know, it just gives them peace of mind and that's okay. But when right. you set that expectation that you're their primary decision maker, their primary uh, doctor for certain things, they don't think about, you know, their their primary care physician when they the next time they have a problem. So they could even have a stomach pain and they still call you. Mm-hmm. They still call me, the physical therapist, whoever. Um, and again, you have to set that expectation in the beginning and create that trust throughout their 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 phase of recovery and their their entire journey. Um, and it's all about, again, setting the expectation and giving, delivering, delivering the education, the knowledge, the resources to help them understand that we are so much more than exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Or massage or post-surgical, you know, recovery and rehab. We go way deeper and it's a shame that our profession isn't recognized as such. But podcasts like yours, Josh, are the reason that we are, you know, spreading awareness. Well, thank so, you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one, one of the things that I, I'd like to ask, because, I mean, I, I have opinions about this, too, but I'm curious about what yours are, is people, and you mentioned this, people's, a lot of people's knowledge about the scope of PT is very narrow. And a lot of times it is confined to massage and, and, and exercise. And obviously those are components. What do you wish people knew about physical therapy? A lot of things. <laughs> Go. I wish people knew that we, not that we're not chiropractors in any sense of the word at all. And I'm not knocking chiropractors, but we have the same ability to do the things that chiropractor does. We can do the same. We have, there's no difference. The only difference is that they can say, they can prescribe an x-ray. And again, we can refer out. So it's really not, it's not a huge um, difference or a huge barrier between the the, the, um, professions. Mm -hmm. But we are more functional based, meaning if you come to me, you have a problem. Number one, I'm going to solve it. I'm going to solve it fast. And I'm going to make you self-sufficient and independent in your recovery so that the next time, so, you know, maybe a tightness comes on, you're like, this is the same shit I went to, you know, Angel for. 
you're going to know what to do about it. Yeah, you can call me and come in, and you probably will, but you're not going to have to rely on me for the rest of your life for a problem that I'm going to make you your own doctor for, in a sense. Does that make that right? So I like to make my patients self-sufficient. I help you help yourself. I literally am the, the tour guide to your anatomy and your physical well-being. Um, at first you need my hands-on skill. You need my education, my resources, you know, all of that. And it, it might take four, six, eight weeks, depending on the complexity of the case. Usually it's very, very fast because of that one-on-one individual attention that you're not getting elsewhere. Um, but it's the fact that we are able to literally take a person and give them everything they need without medication. Literally everything you need, I just talked about, you know, cancer, I can't give you chemo. We can do chemo here. Um, <laughs> that's, going, that's going on another um, tangent. Right. However, if you have cancer, I can teach you certain things, prescribe certain exercises, be a certain person for you, educate you on, on other resources and, and things that you could be doing to help fight that cancer. It's not going to cure it, but there's things that you can do that damn well I know for sure will help that, that you might not be told elsewhere because elsewhere that you're going is giving you pushing drugs and big pharma on you when you, all you needed to do was really find somebody that would listen and, and, and not, and go, you know what? I've done research on X, Y, and Z, whatever it is I'm about to push, try this out. And I never promote something I haven't tried first. Um, mm-hmm. Try this out, uh, complement it with your exercises and do this and that. And, and let's see where what we can do without having to do chemo or have to do surgery or have to do this or that. It's a conservative type of therapy that will save your life in a lot of circumstances. Not, not necessarily your life, but your quality of life. Right, definitely. And, and so, um, I mean, if that's not saying enough, I don't know what is. So, <laughs> I mean, I want to hear your, your opinion on that. Um, what, what it goes right back to you. So the big thing that I think makes us unique as physical therapists and the thing that I really try to emphasize with my clinic is that, and you mentioned this is to empower people to take care of issues on their own. Obviously going into that, they're going into it. They're not going to know how to do that. My goal is to maybe in the beginning do a little bit of hands-on. I am very much into giving people tools that they can do at home so that ultimately I don't have to see them. And it's not because I don't want to see them. Obviously, I would love to see them. But in the grand scheme of things, people's time is, is valuable. All right, time is a very valuable asset. And if I can give people tools that they can do on their own time where they don't have to necessarily conform to my schedule and vice versa. I think that is the biggest thing that I can do to help someone. So yes, if I can help someone one-on-one for a few visits, that is fantastic. But after that, I am not satisfied until they are independent 
to the extent to where I'm still in their lives in the sense that I'm giving them some sort of a program that they can um, that they can adhere to because you know for a lot of people they just they need that accountability and and to be honest I need that accountability that's why I joined a CrossFit gym I tried to work out on my own going to a Gold's gym and I'd go into the I would go in there in the morning and be like what the hell am I doing here I'm I'm just doing the same old shit and so I joined a CrossFit gym and it pushed me to go that extra distance. And that is what I try to do is I push people that extra distance. I don't want to see, well, uh, that sounds bad. I don't want to have to see you to have to do these hands-on things that, you know, really only provide short-term benefits. Anyway, the real, the real gold mine is I see manual therapy and me using my hands as a way to unlock your potential to ultimately set that in place on a more permanent basis at home using a home exercise plan. And if I can do that as quick as possible, and if I can make myself almost obsolete in terms of you having to see me as quick as possible, I would have said that I've, I've done my job and I've done my mission. And yeah. that's where I feel like I come in and a lot, including yourself, come in as, as a physical therapist. And that's one of the things that makes us unique. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't, we're not here to drain you of your money and, and your time. Like, no, we get it. Cause we are the same people, you know? So you have to th- you put yourself, you know, in our shoes as well. We're helping you help yourself. That's it. That's it. You know what I mean? And so you either take it or you leave it. The biggest thing is your takeaway, like in the golf swing. The takeaway is one of the most important parts. And mm-hmm. the, the, patient, the takeaway, what they got, the value they received from you. And if you're not able to deliver it and for them to get it, there's there's a couple problems. It's either you're a shitty therapist or they just have something, uh, a mental capacity that is not allowing them, something's blocking it. And that's why... It's so important to look into every facet of wellness, right? Because right. if you're not getting to that patient, there's something in the way. We got to figure it out. And it may not have anything to do with being a, a physical. So that's why I stress the importance of that because we need to get down to the basics, down to the source. And if that source is a, an, a, a mental issue that I can't, by my knowledge of, of what I do, and I'm not a mental therapist, right? But if right. I if I can't deal with that for you, my service is no good until you fix that. And for a practitioner, a clinician to be able to identify that first is going to really save you time, energy, money, frustration. And those are the people that you want in your life to be treating you. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a bit of a transition, but it's something that I could not leave this podcast episode without talking about. One of the things I admire about you most is your compassion for people. And one of the things that you've done relatively recently with the, the passing of her Andorian is you have done mission trips to Bahamas. I, I need you to share what you've done because it has been incredibly impactful for, for so many people. So, yeah, the I actually just wrote, um, and I'm going to show you this. Uh, 
this is in the magazine that I was telling you that I write articles for and uh-huh. um, all that. So this was us in the Bahamas. Uh, can you see that? Oh, no. I mean, I can a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So really cool, right? Um, so just got like a half page story, whatever. Um, so I went to the Bahamas, Grand um, Grand Bahama Islands, which Freeport uh, is the port, um, on September. So the, the storm hit on the 1st. I went on the 5th. September 5th, four days after. I was among the first medical team and the first mission to have arrived to the island post-Hurricane Dorian. I have never done this. I've never been in the wake of a natural disaster um, relief effort, at least. I've been in hurricanes, but nothing to this extent. Um, So I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I knew it was bad, but I didn't know how bad. so I got a call Thursday, September 5th, at around 3 o'clock, asking um, if I could be among the several medical professionals to go on a ship, um, the Grand, uh, Grand Bahama Celebration Cruise Line, uh, out of the Port of West Palm Beach, if I could go that night on the ship to Grand Bahama Island to give relief efforts. Literally, without hesitation, I, it was like, I, I, yep, no problem. Mm-hmm. The next day's Friday. I have patience, right? I did what I could to, you know, contact them and reschedule them or get them taken care of, whatever it was. It was not a problem. Like, your tendonitis can wait, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but I think I need to help these people. And they, everybody right. was understanding, and it was fine. So I, um, I board the ship with... Uh, Thousands, not thousands, I'm sorry, hundreds of other um, medical personnel and then just civilian volunteers. So there was a ton of people helping, um, you know, load the ship, unload, do the things with the supplies. And then there was a medical team. So we went over there. Um, Within 16 hours, we had from the time I got the phone call until the time we left the ship to go out in the field, we had a well-organized system of groups of doctors and teams that, you know, specialize in certain things and makeshift hospitals on the ship, triage um, areas, you know, with and, and then the makeshift hospital had different specialties within it. It was crazy, like what we did. Um, I was the only physical therapist, by the way, and I made that known. I was like, this is because people don't understand how important it is yeah. For physical therapists to be on the front lines of natural disaster, it is huge. It is huge because our expertise, we don't, again, we're not just exercise. You know, uh, my brother said, so what are you going to teach someone how to swing a golf club? I said, I don't teach anybody how to swing a golf club. And no, I'm not doing that. I have, as a physical therapist, we come out of school specializing in all settings and in everything. So wound care, right? Uh, that's huge. Wound care, people get injured. Um, basic, you know, vitals, that's, that's easy. Ambulation, um, assistive devices, people are in wheelchairs. People need to learn how to, um, use crutches if they've been injured. Um, you know, amputees, there's a ton of amputees over there right now that are getting care. Mm -hmm. We are, we are huge in amputees. 
Um, uh, what else? I mean, I could go on and on. A pelvic floor. There was pregnant. Yeah. There was a there was a, a birth that happened uh, while we were there. You know, just being able to identify and assess. Assess is so huge. I actually assessed a man who fell off a ladder and thought that he, you know, he was scared. He didn't know if he like injured his spine. They don't know spinal cord. They're like, right. You hear that as a, as a layman person, you're not really sure. So especially in a time like this where you're like, shit, I don't have any care here. Like, what am I going to do? What if I am, you know, um, they don't even know the signs to know. So I assessed him and it happened to be, uh, you know, bruising a contusion of the ribs, you know, and, and that just gave him so much peace of mind, but the ability for me to go in and be able to assess that must on a musculoskeletal level is something that the, the doctors couldn't even do. Mm-hmm. And they respected me for that. They're like, okay, you know, you know, they don't even know what I do. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't mean to digress here, but it was something that, I will never forget going over there um, and that I I believe is going to be a piece of me forever now. Um, I actually started a group um, on Facebook and in life uh, with another physical therapist who uh, lives in the Bahamas, Nassau. She's a good friend of mine, uh, Kitty. Her name is Kitty Adderley, and she uh, works in with oncology patients. So again, she works with cancer patients. That's her specialty. Right. Like mine's golfers, right? So we kept in touch during that entire time um, that I was over there, and then even after, and still now. And I said, "This is alarming at what is going on and what is not going on." So the lack of preparedness was frightening to a point that. I have no words for. I had to watch people die in front of my eyes because of the lack of preparedness. That's something I never want to see again, ever. Um, the first place we went, Rand Memorial Hospital in Grand Bahama, is a public hospital. And they would not let us touch their people or do any medical um, assistance because we weren't credentialed in the country. And I understand that but not at the level of the catastrophe that we were facing at that moment. There was no power, no water, no AC, nothing. I'm walking down the ER hallways in the dark. People need to be on, you know, um, life support and and, uh, we need, you know, monitors in the the ICU. We have lines. There's so Mm -hmm. much stuff going on. How is, that's just, a doctor came out of a room, a pitch black, room and office and was like there's a team of american doctors were like what do you need he's like hi hi very nice to meet you okay nothing they would not let us touch these people and there was a waiting room in the er full of sick injured and and desperate people and i watched people suffer and look at me and look at all of us like are you going to help us or what we know who you are we know you're american we know your doctors Mm-hmm. and we couldn't we couldn't and um it was very very um disheartening sad is not even the word um it's a basic it's a basic um just tragedy of human humanity 
that I mean, did they, it ever change? I mean, at some point, were you able to, or they just never? Not at that hospital, because it was a public hospital. Mm. We went to other hospitals um, in different areas of the, of the um, island that we were able to do stuff and, and provide relief. And we did give a lot of medical supplies to that hospital. Um, okay. So that was good. But still, like, they didn't have the staff. They didn't have the expertise. Our education is much, much, much more... Um, I guess you could say it's higher where we have a more higher standard of, of education and right. then things we receive. Obviously, they are a third world country. So their ER physician compared to our ER physician is like McDonald's and who's Chris, okay? So <laughs> you take that okay. take that difference. They still have the training. Yeah. But it's nowhere in American doctor. We were ready to do surgery. We had a, an army, a mobilized army of doctors ready to do anything. There was oh, like a hundred of us. I mean, in different groups and we were at different locations and doing different things. Like I was the emergency trauma and uh, triage team. That's a huge team to be. What happens in a storm? You get hit by a flying object, a tree, whatever, you know, so many things can happen. And that's trauma, emergency trauma, okay? So we need to get to these people. And these people have injuries that could be life-threatening, and they did. And I watched it. And I had to, they also had to watch us walk away. And I also know a story because Kitty is my friend and um, knows a lot of – she has a lot of friends and family in the islands. Um, one of her friends was in the ER room that day with her, her father and told her what she saw – you know, us leave and get told to leave. And so it didn't end well for, for them. Right. Um, and that's just a story that I know. Um, and I wouldn't have known that if I didn't know Kitty, but I was, I was in shock. The things that are going on there that had occurred when I was there and that I know about is things that they are not telling you in the media, because if they did, it would start a war with that Island. We would mm-hmm. crush them, but it would cause it would cause a lot of fighting, a lot of fighting, and a lot of um, just resentments and and all these things. Because you have to think the Bahamian government, right after Dorian, they went through it too. They went through the storm. They're the reason why these things are going on, but they went through the storm as well, and they're grieving just as much as the, the local citizens. So they didn't know what the fuck to do either. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the magnitude of, of lack of preparedness was alarming. And that's when I told Kitty, we have to do something about it. We have to advocate for, for uh, not only our profession, but for a universal policy to be put in place for a natural disaster and these catastrophes. Like the, um, the earthquake in Haiti, right? There was nothing like policies put in place that are universal. When I say universal, I mean worldwide. If, if, if we come into your hospitals and we are licensed healthcare professionals, we should be able to take over. No problem. Let right. us help you. But that wasn't happening. The Bahamas was not ready for something like this to happen. And, it, and, and no one ever really is ready for something like this to happen. But something needs to put, be put in place because innocent lives died, uh, were taken because of us and them dropping the ball. And that's it. That's it. 
could have been prevented. And when that is the case, there needs to be something done. There needs yeah. to be something well, I mean, the fact that you had to deal with that and it was really a matter of what it seems to be political red tape. Oh, yes. It's just mind-blowing to me that they wouldn't at least concede to, to you helping them have things, I don't know, when, when was, have, were you most recently there? Have things gotten a little better? Or? Um, so that cruise line, I was there in September. Um, the, some of the doctors from that, crew, uh, that mission still are going back, and they're going to Grand Bahama, and a lot has changed, uh, good and bad. Uh, the good is that um, people are getting what they need. The bad is that there's still so much destruction and devastation that, and, and disease. And, and just, I mean, the water level rose so high that every single building and, and, and infrastructure in that island, in the island of the Abacos and in Grand Bahama, are now, because the water came in, are, are mold. It's mold. People mm. breathing that in, you're going to get sick. Right. And they refuse to leave. So that's okay. You don't have to leave. However, know that this is a, a dangerous area and environment to live in. And they understand that. And that's that's up to them. You know, we can't force anybody to do anything. But these people are so loyal to their home and their island and, and their country. It's a beautiful thing to see. But that's right. the bad. The bad is there's still so much devastation and rebuilding that needs to be done. And it's going to take very, very, very long time. And there's still a lot of sick people that aren't getting their medicines, like people with diabetes. You need that medicine. There's no holistic approach to that. Um, yeah. And in a couple ways, yes, but no. Like you can prevent that type two most of the time, less hereditary. Um, however, you know, people that have these diseases that need actual medication are not receiving them, and this is not good. People that were injured are still injured and, and sick and are still sick. And it's devastating. And the the Abacos, that was the worst. They are being scattered all over the island or into America if they have family or whoever there and displaced, displaced so much so that it's causing a lot of grief and shock and, and other things come along with that. We know emotionally PTSD, um, thoughts of suicide. So, it, that's what's going on right now. That is the aftermath of Dorian. Um, the, the storm came and went. It's going to cause a lot of chronic, uh, widespread chronic pain because of, you know, that's for another topic of discussion that I would love to talk about and I can talk about all day, but, and I can link the two together, but that's what's occurring in that country right now. They are losing their tourism, which is the number one, um, way that they receive and and get money <laughs> to run their country and to run their societies and their and everything tourism is the number one number one thing and uh people are, are turned away or, or not turned away they're actually welcoming people into the areas that were affected but people have this mindset now that oh my god there was a hurricane we shouldn't go there when in fact you Take your 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 summer trips and your your trips and your plans and whatever, and go and visit the Bahamas. Go to the Exumas, go to Bimini, go to Nassau. Atlantis is still there, guys. It's still kicking. It's just certain parts are damaged, and, and we really need to help these people because the island 
of the Bahamas and Florida, especially South Floridians, we have a strong, strong tie to these people and we have for years. And they've hosted us graciously in their country many times. And we've partied on their islands. We've fished in their waters. We've done, we've built on their land. We've done so many things. Yes, we built up their economy and, and, you know, gave them a chance with the American, you know, opportunity and, and, and what we're bringing to them. But at the same time, we have to be there because those are our people too. Right. Definitely. You know, so they're suffering, they're still suffering and they're going to suffer for a long time, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it was a it was a massive storm, but uh, yeah. I, you know, it's it's awesome that you you were able to go out there and and despite not being able to help out to the fullest extent that you're able to amongst the other hundreds of people that were there, um, I I know that you know I would imagine a ton of people were grateful for for the services that you're able to provide, and I know you all helped a lot of people, so that is yeah. unreal. Fantastic. So I'm glad you're able to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, I'm trying to always look for things to do to help. So if anybody is ever interested, you know, you can contact me uh, on Facebook. Um, My name's Angelica Napolitano. Um, You can find me there on Instagram, Optimal PT and Wellness. If if there's anything that you need or want or have an idea or anything when it comes to the Bahamas, any natural disaster or physical therapy general, um, you know, please contact me because I'm always on the lookout. And like I said, so is Kitty. We're really involved and we, we want to stay involved and stay in the know. So please reach out. Absolutely. Um, any other ways people can reach out to you? I know you mentioned a couple before I asked my, uh, my last question. Are those kind of the two, two main avenues? So, yeah, so Facebook, you just type my name in, or you can uh, go to Optimal Physical Therapy and Wellness. Same on uh, Instagram, at Optimal PT and Wellness. Uh, YouTube, Optimal Physical Therapy and Wellness. And I also have a podcast uh, that is golf-specific. It's called Golf Swing RX Podcast, The Prescription for Your Game. And I am, uh, I co-host it with John Decker. He's a PGA professional, so... Yeah, we have a we have a nice podcast. So if you want if you want to listen to some golf, good golf stuff, go ahead and uh, take a listen there. We're on I, we're everywhere that Josh is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, okay. Last question: What is what's the vision you have for yourself and and what you're doing within the community? Oh well, I need an NDA. Do we have NDAs? Can people start signing those? <laughs> <Did> <laughs> I? I'm not kidding. Um, there's a lot going on right now um, in my life, uh, business-wise. I'm actually expanding my clinic at the end of this year. I am also in talks of doing something even bigger in the Stewart area. So uh, I'll be closer to you, Josh. And um, very cool. Yeah. So it's it's something that I can't talk about just yet, but um, hopefully will be something soon that I can talk uh-huh. about. Um, and just, you know, continuing to be who I am, continuing to grow and con- not only in my practice, but as a person, that's more important than anything and personally and professionally and staying true to that, that value, you know, um, to be honest, that has been my biggest, um, not strong suit. I mean, obviously my skill as a PT, but 
Mm-hmm. Just being able to be there for people because life's hard. And, you know, Greg Todd the other day was telling me, he said, you know, life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. And once we're able to realize that and, and not, you know, take things so um, personally and, and attack, oh, you know, life is so hard. No, you're lucky to have life, you know? So you you got to take everything that you are suffering through and look at it with a positive glimmer of hope and, and appreciation. And if you do the right things, it's going to get better. It's happened to me. It's happened to most people that uh, think that way. So again, I just, the, the future for me really stay is staying true, is staying true to who I am, how I want to treat my philosophy of treatment and just, helping to serve as many people as possible, um, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, or in my, my coaching business uh, for other healthcare professionals that want to, you know, deliver the same type of services that I do um, and, and do it in a genuine fashion because that's what it's all about. No judgment. No judgment. We're all humans and we all go through shit and we need to figure it out together. Absolutely. That's powerful. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, awesome chat. I, I always love hearing what, what you're doing. And so I appreciate you coming on and sharing not only your updates with me, but updates for, for everyone listening. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. And I, um, we need to meet up again and, and have dinner and, uh, oh, yeah. more stuff. Cause oh, Josh, it's going to happen. Josh and I live like 45 minutes apart. So it's a little <laughs> bit of a, a little bit of a drive, but at the same time it's doable. So exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, for for everyone listening, definitely check out Angel Napolitano. She is doing awesome things, not only for the community within our borders, but also outside the borders. So check her out. And until next time, folks, have an awesome night. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in to this episode of Florida Health Radio. You can follow our radio show on all major podcasting platforms. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Florida Health Radio. And if you like what you're listening to, you can like the Facebook page, Florida Health Radio. Thank you again for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next time.